Welcome to the Fried Friday podcast. I'm Dennis Lifchak, and we got Adam Spitz on the microphone. We're ready to do our second episode. How are you feeling, Adam? Oh, feeling great, Dennis. Um, I think today's uh, topic is going to be one that uh, it's going to be packed full of information. Um, specifically, we're going to be talking about the combination of it. Yeah. How are you feeling today? Pretty good. I feel like we're opening up uh, Pandora's box of information. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. There's there's so much to talk about when we're, when we're talking about combis. So um, I think maybe we should just jump right into it. Um, do you want to do any sort of recap on the first one or do you want to just, just go for it? Well, uh, I want to thank everybody who listened to our poor audio quality of the first episode. We're this is a work in progress. We're trying to improve our quality. Um, Adam even got earmuffs for this episode. <laughs> it keeps my ears warm too now that yeah. you know winter's around the corner. Yeah, you know, sponsored by Bose, right? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We don't do sponsors. Yeah. We don't do sponsors yet. So, yeah, I think uh, we got some awesome feedback on the previous episode. Got got a bunch of views. Um, got a little bit of uh, feedback of how, how long these episodes should be. Um, and also we have a couple of uh, cool guests lined up. And uh, for, for the next episodes, uh, we don't have a guest for this episode because I think Adam and I can, can rant about this for a while. And I think we can have some guest stars on the follow-up combi episodes. Uh, and we also don't want to be biased toward anybody too. So yeah. 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 yeah just as a reminder, I mean, we're, we're very neutral in, in this whole series. Uh, our, our mission is really to make sure that we're just provide we're providing information that everyone can use. Um, we're not we're not playing favorites. Uh, we're not you know like we were talking about sponsorships. We're not sponsoring anybody. We're not doing any of that. We're just we're just out here to 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 pass along a lot of information that we've collected um, throughout our careers and and even in our personal lives, I suppose, because we go to a lot of restaurants, Dennis. I mean. Um, before we start, I mean, speaking of which, have you have you found any uh, nice, decent places to uh, to dine uh, lately? Not, not really. Uh, but you know what? I'm a sucker for a reality show, and I've been watching this show called Below Deck. Have you heard of it? No, I can't say that I have. It's this reality show about uh, living on a yacht and the staff of a yacht. And um, there's a tiny kitchen on the bottom, or uh, the galley, they say. Um, and there's a cool combi oven with a nice induction top. And most of the food gets cooked in a combi. So that's, uh, that's my recent most experience with combis. What oh, about you, Adam? Nice. Any, any fancy combi restaurants? You know, nothing that comes to mind at top of mind, but, um, you know, but I do think that that's a nice little segue into um, kind of where we're going with this. Uh, so one of the top things that I think we can kick off when we're talking about commies is the versatility and the fact that they 
that, you know, you had mentioned they have a, a small kitchen in that show that you're referencing. I think that that uh, could be could be the a good example of of where you could see a combi, where you could find one. I think Dennis, you wanted to talk a little bit about the history and and kind of start with the evolution of the combi. So I'll defer to you on that. But I think it's important to keep in mind that you know something. It's not always common that we think of commercial uh, cooking equipment on on ships. I mean, of course, cruise liners that makes sense and military grade uh, large vessels, but even um, you know, relatively smaller ships might, you might find, uh, you know, some sort of a commercial kitchen and they're limited on space. And that's one of the benefits, the inherent benefits of a combi oven, which we'll get into the functionalities and, and all the applicable applications, um, a little, in a little bit. But, um, with that said, uh, do you want to maybe talk a little bit, Dennis, about kind of the, the history and the evolution of the combi? Yeah, let's, let's step back and define what is a combi oven. Um, combi oven is a combination oven. The first time I've heard the term combi being used is uh, there's a there's a Eastern European manufacturer of cars, and they have a thing called a combi, and apparently that's that's what they call station wagons in down in the Eastern Bloc. So. A combi in terms of a car is a combination of a van and a sedan. So with combi ovens, it's a combination of an oven and a steamer. Mm-hmm. And right. But it doesn't, it doesn't just do the functionality of a, of a, you know, like a traditional dry heat convection oven and a steamer. It does a lot in between. You can, what you can roast, you can bake, you can, you can even fry, you can poach, you can, you know, do all these different, different types of food preparation within the same cab cavity of, of an, of a combi oven. So it's it's that versatility. That's what I was getting to or, or talking about earlier. That versatility is just, it's clutch when, especially when you're limited on space, but that's an interesting tie in, you know, with, I wasn't aware of that, Dennis, the, the, you know, with the station wagon that you mentioned and, and that's where that term originated from. So well, I don't know if it originated from that, but it's, it's, it's used, uh, um, used there. So I would call this appliance, the station wagon of all appliances, <laughs> well, like that. both worlds, uh, you know, um, <laughs> if, if you were, if, if you were left with one car that can do it all or one oven or one cooking appliance that could do it all, I would say uh, uh, the combi would be the jack of all trades, as they say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I would agree with that. And, you know, I think um, I think anyone that's used a combination oven, you know, they are relatively, I think, especially the older models, they're a little complex. Uh, you had to know, You had to know how to operate it. You had to kind of work with it to learn. There was a bit of a learning curve there. Um, when it was all analog controls and, you know, you had to dial in, you know, what set your, your, your humidity level, um, your temperature, just to get it right with whatever it was you were preparing. But they've advanced so much along the over the years um, where they're basically, you know, you could do your first day on the job and pre-programmable and um, you just hit a button and it'll automatically shift gears to, to a different mode or a different um, combination of heat and moisture and whatnot. So 
they've really the, the evolution of those they they've really uh, progressed quite um, extensively over the over the last couple of decades. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the combi oven was invented somewhere in Germany in the '60s, and then that company, I believe, was bought out by Electrolux, um, who have modernized it. And ever since then, there there were a lot of companies that came up. Um, and one manufacturer actually posted some pictures from their their headquarters, which had historical combis from the 80s and up. And it's interesting seeing that back then they looked like convection ovens with two knobs. One is crank up the heat, the other one's crank up the, the steam. So it's we've gone very far uh, with with the technology and um, now there's probably um, a dozen or more manufacturers, um, mostly out of Europe. Um, there's, it seems like there are a lot of um, manufacturers in Germany, uh, manufacturers in Italy, and a few manufacturers in the US. Um, although I think in the US there's a lot of importing companies that bring in um, European combis. Yeah, and and that's another thing that I mean, since we're talking about sort of the history and the origination of uh, the origin of the uh, of the oven, the combi oven, um, it really wasn't that popular until relatively recent years in the U.S. Right? I mean, it was it was it really gained popularity overseas in other countries before it really became a relatively mainstream piece of equipment uh, in the in the states here. Yeah, I think. Um we have a lot more space here and a lot of fancy restaurants are built from ground up. Whereas in Europe, um, the city centers are very historic and the, the more established restaurants have a lot of space constraints. So they don't have the luxury of having a convection oven, a steamer, a braising pan, a griddle and all, all those things and a broiler um, that, serve a separate purpose. So I think throughout the, the years in Europe, if you wanted to update your kitchen, you really need to think functionality and space. So there's mm-hmm. um, that, that's why the combi oven has uh, taken off. You know, in, in the US we have uh, whole restaurants with smokers and huge lines that only get used um, only certain appliances get used at different times. So, yeah. And, and, and it, but I mean, not to downplay other types of equipment because they're just as critical and, and not every scenario combination of it makes sense for, for every operation. So, you know, depending on your menu, your, your operating hours and, and so forth, um, you, you know, your, your, what you need, the tools you need to do your job, they don't always necessarily mean you need a combi oven. But since that's the topic of today, we're sticking to it. But um, not to say that, you know, a dedicated fryer or a convection oven or a steam cooker or a braising pan or the list goes on and on. Not to say that those are not um, the, the best option for, you know, you know, any given scenario. Like sometimes it just makes sense if you just need a, a griddle and a broiler or excuse me, a griddle and a fryer, for example. So yeah, there, there's yeah. uh, one thing you were listing off different substitutes and. Uh, I, I will be controversial and say that uh, can't replace a fryer with nothing but a fryer. 
<laughs> well, that's a subjective opinion. I think uh, you would get pressed on that. Um, I'm not saying I disagree, but you know, there's there are some uh, legitimate claims out there from a lot of people that suggest that uh, hey, it's just as good. Um, and, and so uh, you, you went to school in the U.S. Um, did you get um, French fries at uh, school at a cafeteria? Oh, no, no, no. We, uh, I got peanut butter and jelly that my mom made me every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, uh, I think most fries in schools are done in convection ovens, unfortunately. But Well, you don't have the saturated oil um, aspect to it, I suppose. So yeah. there's that element. But anyways, we talked enough about fryers last week. So well, I, let, let's keep going. <laughs> I'm still nostalgic about them. I know you are. I, we can never get fryers out of Dennis's head. Yeah. It, may as well just change your name to like Frizzle Fry or something because yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's always what you bring up. <laughs> you can always take Dennis out of his head, but you can't take fries out of... Uh, yeah, I don't know term, where I'm going. <laughs> the terms, uh, okay. I know what you're trying to say, but yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't take the fry out of the dentist. You take the dentist out of the fry, that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's get technical and dive deep into uh, types of combis and different combi technologies. I think, yeah, combis come in all kinds of different sizes. But essentially, there are two schools of thought with combis is uh, boiler-based versus boilerless. And what does that mean? Um, it's mostly about steam injection. So a typical old-school steamer is going to be a boiler-based steamer where you have a boiler compartment which heats up water to the point of steam, and then a valve opens to inject steam into the cavity. And that's that's been historically, a lot of uh, combi ovens have been that way. And then there's a different approach, is actually injecting water on a hot part of the combi. And when the water hits the hot part, it just steams up and create steam that way. Right. And Dennis, aren't the, um, the boiler-based systems, those are under pressure. So it's a pressurized steam that's being generated. Uh, that's another, you know, when we get into like terminology, that's something that's a little bit, you know, not everybody necessarily agrees, but I think we've come to a general agreement in the industry where when we're talking about um, a, a boilerless system, it's, a, it's still a form of steam gener generation. It's just not under pressure. And I think that might be one of the key differences between the two approaches. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is with a boiler-based steam system, you have kind of a reservoir of steam on demand versus there's... So theoretically, with a boilerless combi, if you're spraying water on some kind of part that cools down, you're not necessarily creating consistent steam, but that has actually changed over the years. And right now, um, a lot of the boilerless combis can 
provide almost the same performance as boiler-based combis. So with um, boilerless combis, uh, what I've seen, um, it's the steam is usually in uh, spritzed on the fan, the convection fan, or in heating element next to the fan. Um, so as soon as it, the water is injected there, it's atomized and turns into steam. Yeah. And so is there a, um, an advantage with the, because you'd mentioned a reservoir, so like ready to go steam um, on demand, does that yield a higher throughput or production capacity because you don't have to wait for that cold water that's being spritzed onto the heating element or the, the, the fan um, to, to, to essentially go through that phase change and be in, uh, from water to, to a gas form? Um, so is that, does that impact the throughput of the oven um, or at least historically has that been a disadvantage to that approach? It sounds like nowadays it's probably not so much an issue um, because a lot of the really intelligent, smart uh, um, engineers out there and designers of these of these combi ovens they've kind of fixed any sort of you know you know area that was you know ready for improvement. Um, but is that something that you've seen or heard from from operators or directly even from manufacturers? So um, there's a different way to look at th throughput. So let's say you are putting a lot of food in the oven and cooking it for a relatively long period of time. I think at that point, you probably won't notice a difference. But if you're cooking items, a la carte, a la carte, let's, let's define this term, a la carte. It's basically cooking items back to back for a relatively short period uh, with door openings. So in that case, let, let's say you're doing shrimp, you're cooking a batch of shrimp for like five, five or three minutes and you, you're pulling trays in and out and opening the door. I would say that it's not the food that's absorbing the moisture. It's actually the door opening that may let the steam out. And once you close the, the door, you may need to re-steam the cavity. And in that kind of scenario, boiler-based steamers um, have been performing better. So it, it translates to combi ovens too, but um, I haven't done that kind of test with, um, with spritzer-based new combis. New combis, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's really a matter of, again, it goes back to what's your operation. Is this the, you know, and it can, it's not exclusive to combis, but, you know, you, it's, that's why it's important to do your research and, and you know, talk to a consultant that, that does uh, food service operation consulting services and designs. Um, you know, does that, is that the right piece of equipment for you? What's your, does it make sense for you to have a boiler-based steam cooker or a boiler-based uh, combination oven steamer um, versus, you know, a, a kind of a, uh, the alternative of boiler list? Um, 
and depending on your operation, it may make sense. I mean, if you're if you're a school and you're just cooking large batches of product, uh, maybe three loads a day, um, but it's the, the oven is jam packed, then perhaps it it's not necessary to to have that on demand steam. Um, but if you're doing a lot of a la carte cooking, then you know maybe maybe that's where it is more ne- it's more appropriate to have. Uh, that technology where you don't have to wait for, um, you know, w- w- upon that door opening and tray removal or insertion, you don't have to wait for that, that, uh, that, that condition within the cavity that, that heat and that uh, moisture content or steam level to, to re-satisfy itself for optimal cooking upon each door opening. So it's more on demand, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably in 95% of the situations with newer combis you probably won't notice a difference yeah so it's it's so maybe it's a moot point we shouldn't belabor the issue but um i mean in uh in manufacturer um kind of literature there's usually yeah uh boiler based combis are are marketed as uh as higher performing so yeah but there's also the element of if you have a boiler, that's, you know, if unless it's under warranty or something, if something happens to it, it could be a, a relatively costly uh, repair or replacement. Yeah, there's uh, maybe later we'll get into combi repairs, but uh, we, we, we can talk a little bit about it um, up front. It's, I think, if you plan on installing a combi oven, uh, which is not a cheap appliance. I would say one of the more expensive appliances in the kitchen, uh, but it's totally worth it uh, for, for most operations um, if you're using it a lot. But the main thing is make sure to invest some some money into water filtration and water quality because I think poor water uh, quality will eat up either a boiler from inside out or the inside of a cavity from a spritzer-based combi. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point, Dennis. Glad you brought that up. But uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll get into maintenance and, and all of that um, a little later. So, But yeah. good good to hit on it a little bit early, just so it's top of mind for folks to keep in, to keep in mind when as we're continuing on this, uh, this discussion. Um, so, yeah, so where do you want? Yeah, go ahead. Well, let's talk about um, different combi sizes if um, if you want to do that. Yeah, sure. Well, we have, um, well, there. let's just, I'm going to break it down real simple. I think Dennis would agree with what I'm about to say here. Um, the best way to look at it, in my opinion, is you have your full size and your half size. Now, I'm going to just explain the difference there real quick before getting into the second part of this uh, sort of difference. What what I think we would all agree on, or most of us in the industry would agree on, is that a full size is basically a, a combination oven where you have two gastronorm pans, one by one, full size. Whoa, 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 let's, let's step back. What's a gastronorm pan? I'm sorry. What is that? A, it's a um, 12 by 23 and some change inch uh 
basically stainless steel. It's like a hotel pan. Um, and uh, sometimes they're perforated. Sometimes they're a little deeper. They could be shallow. Uh, they, you know, the ones that are um, solid, that are not perforated, they could have a lid on them, a removable lid. Um, so that's basically a standardized pan. Uh, Gastronorm, I, mm-hmm. I should know the uh, yeah. ex- further explanation on this, but I do believe that it's so, a European standard. Or yeah, um, let, let me jump in here. So I think most American restaurants use convection ovens and they're used to using sheet pans. So a sheet pan is, has a different format than, than a steam pan or a gastronorm pan, um, and it's not equally divisible. Correct. So combi ovens are designed for steam pan sizes and not necessarily sheet pans. So to put a sheet pan, a standard sheet pan in a combi oven, you would need to use racks and using the steam pan, um, it just slides into the rack guides. So everything that Adam's gonna talk about from now is gonna use the steam pan as a size guideline. So yes, the uh, full size, combi ovens basically the way we we kind of determine the <clears throat> the differentiation between the two full and half um the full size you basically have two of those gastronorm gn11 size pans that we were um talking about the the two different types compared to a sheet pan so let's keep sheet pans to the side for this we're just talking about the gn hotel steam pans um so full size is two two full uh, gn11 pans per rack position and a half size would be one GN11 pan per rack position. And so that's how we differentiate a full size versus a half size. So just think of it more in terms of width and or depth, I suppose. But I think uh, the most common uh, full size is two side by side versus um, back. And well, that's not necessarily true, huh, Dennis? You can, you can, they can go either way. Um, but at any rate, it's two versus one. That's the that's really the, dif- the difference between the two. Um, but beyond just the pan positions, there's also different size GN pans. Um, you could have a two-third size, what uh, often is referred to as like a mini combi. Um, these are typically more like countertop. Uh, they use a slightly smaller uh, gastronorm size pan. Um, and those can typically accommodate anywhere from, you know, three, four, five, six, I believe. Uh, I don't know if there's a real limit defined yet, but they are. there's a lot of, of uh, availability on different sizes and types. Uh, again, um, you know, as Dennis mentioned, there's there's gas and electric, the larger ones. There's also these, these rolling ones, they are up to 40, 40 full-size GN11 pans. Um, and you can actually load a trolley up and prepare your product that way, open the door, just roll it right in, similar to like what you would do with a rack oven. Um, so there's those types as well. Uh, am I forgetting any, Dennis? Um, any other uh, sort of subclassifications of combi ovens that we didn't hit on in terms of size yeah, and fuel type? I think you got most of it covered. Um, basically, you have countertop style, then you have larger ones, and then you have the roll-ins. Um, the, the biggest difference between... I would say that rack ovens and your roll-in large combis is that the rack's a little bit different where um, the roll-in combis, your rack 
feet don't actually get into the cavity, um, but the door seals around the rack, whereas the rack oven, obviously the whole thing goes in and spins. And yeah, that's another combis, difference right yeah. there. It doesn't, it doesn't rotate in a combi oven, at least not that I've seen. Yeah, and um, once you get to larger combi ovens, you have multiple fans. So usually the, the roll-ins, you have two fans. But the, then, but the rack itself is not rotating. Uh, yeah, big. yeah. So the fans are mimicking the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know we talked about boiler versus boilerless. Once you get to smaller combis, um, I would say all the countertop ones are boilerless because it's a form factor. If you have a boiler, it takes up more space. And electric as well. Yeah. Yeah. So think of the smaller, the smaller options, you're, you're a little bit, you have a little bit less of a product um, selection. Uh, You're kind of limited a little bit more to uh, primarily, I think maybe exclusively electric and and boilerless, but that's okay. Because like we discussed they all do the same job and they are all effective, especially nowadays. Um, Every manufacturer that offers these, I'd say that I'm aware of, uh, they, they really offer a, a premium product. Um, there might be some nuances that make one a little bit better than another. It could be uh, just the design. It could be componentry used. Maybe there's an energy efficiency advantage. Maybe there's a production capacity advantage um, from one to another. But ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, they, they all you know, they all have that versatility that we're talking about. And I think that's, that's something that I just want to keep reminding everyone about is the versatility, because that's really what makes these um, so, so, so useful in the, in a commercial setting uh, in a commercial kitchen. And heck, you know, I'd say if, if they made them uh, just as good for, uh, for residential applications, I'd probably have one. Uh, (laughs) But again, there's that cost premium. 10K. 10 cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. It, it would be great to have a combi. Um, I think you, you got to have fairly high voltage. So would you sacrifice your dryer for combi oven? Oh yeah. I think so. It's worth it. If anyone goes to Dennis's basement, it's, he's got like a whole commercial kitchen down there. And he's got oh, a combi not, oven. not even he's that. Rack ovens. <laughs> Well, Dennis, do you yeah. want to um, t- talk a little bit more about some of the other technologies that um, combination so, ovens? So you're talking about um, differentiation between combis. And I think from a sh- chef perspective, what I heard, I'm not a chef, disclaimer, I would say is interface and controls is very important. You know, some, some controls are more intuitive than others. Uh, we, we've seen combi ovens that are, design like spaceships where you have absolute controllability, but sometimes it's uh, not, not necessarily user-friendly or you can go the other way around where it's very simple controls, but once you become proficient with combi ovens, it doesn't offer you the type of uh, precision and adjustability. And I think, Nowadays in culinary school, people get trained how to use a combi oven, how to program combis, and a lot of the touchscreen interface on the 
on the newer combis is mimicking um, your smartphones and it's fairly easy to use. I think there's some older combis where the touchscreen technology was a little bit uh, laggy and there's um, some issues, but I think most manufacturers have figured out how to make it more intuitive. So yeah. I think nowadays it's um, controls is the name of the game. Um, there's pictures everywhere and even for larger multi-unit operators, you can roll out a menu in a test kitchen and then remotely upload it to the combi ovens on the network so that that recipe is on all the ovens. Mm -hmm. And there's also the element that I don't think uh, we've mentioned yet, but it's definitely worth noting is um, the the time and money that you're saving with staff turnover. Um, having all of those different uh, conditions, cooking food prep conditions programmed and with ones that you can change remotely, um, that really saves a lot in, in terms of any training that, that new staff that come on board um, that you don't have to, to worry about so much because it is more or less automated. I mean, other than the initial, you know, selection and, um, you know, push the push of a button, really, uh, it, that's, there's, there's less to it. So, and that could also, uh, that, that's also um, can leading, yielding uh, a more consistent product. So, you know, if I go to a, a fine dining restaurant uh, once a month, uh, it's the same place, same location. I ordered the same thing because I just love it. You know, I can expect it to be exactly the same, prepared exactly the same, to taste the same from uh, each visit. And that's one of the other added benefits to having that programmable functionality. Yeah. And one of those days you you find out that it's not the chef that made it. It's the, it's the dishwasher. <laughs> because, I mean, nowadays, yeah, you can program a lot of things and one thing that's very interesting with combis is uh, you can not only program the time um, you can actually adjust humidity and temperature throughout different um, parts of the cooking process which um, is very cool if you're doing roasts where you may want to apply high heat um, at first to kind of crispen everything up and then slow cook it afterwards. There's even um, different smoking techniques too. Um, that's one thing is um, some combis I've seen, you can buy a little electrical box where you put wood chips in it um, and it will turn the combi into a smoker. There's also a lot of probe temperature cooking that can be used. So. Yeah, there's and a lot why don't you explain a little bit about what the probe cooking is? I mean, mm -hmm. I, for the for anybody that may not fully understand what that means. Yeah, um, that's basically a temperature probe that you insert usually in a um, slow cooked piece of meat, and then the combi itself will sense the temperature and adjust temp, um, adjust its heat based on the internal temperature of um, the product. And a lot of people call it Delta T cooking, 
where you want to maintain a dif differential in temperature between the inside and the outside um, as constant until mm -hmm. um, that product becomes of food safe temperature. So um, that's how most people say that you get the juiciest product and um, also have the best controllability. So as a, as a user, you can even set it and forget it at the end where once the product is cooked, it will sound an alarm, but it will um, convert the cooking conditions into hold mode where we'll reduce the cooking mm -hmm. cycle and then it will be um, just coasting for a little bit. Yeah, and it's just it's just uh, offering all these tools to to help the kitchen staff, to help the the chef, to help the the restaurant or whatever the facility is. Um, that's really the the combi oven manufacturers, generally speaking, I would say, have made strides in making the job of the staff easier and more consistent. And I think that's that's really where a lot of this innovation comes from. Um, it's like, well, how can we make, how can we make your life just a little bit easier? How can we make your job a little bit more efficient? And I feel like that the combi oven manufacturers have really put that on their back and, and ran with it and said, okay, well, let's, let's see what we can come up with. And that's all these little different, um, technologies and all these different little functionalities that, that have been, you know, become relatively mainstream, I'd say nowadays, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's all really, it's, they listen to their customers and, Throughout the world, customers have different needs, but the combination oven is is great in satisfying all those needs and, and dealing with those those uh, hurdles that, as we all know, a lot of uh, kitchens have to deal with on a day to day basis. This is just one. It, they're removing elements of uh, of of parts of a day to day operation that are just a little bit of a headache for thirty minutes. It's like oh, now I don't have to worry about that. I can focus my attention elsewhere. And that's why I think the the technologies that they implement these days is really cool. Yeah, and I feel like the manufacturers and technology is often a lot of uh, way ahead of the curve uh, because if if a chef knows all the functionality and uses it on a daily basis, it's great. Um, sometimes I feel like a combi ovens, like a Range Rover cruising through Beverly Hills, where um, let, let me explain that. Um, you, you know, there's a lot of people drive SUVs that have been desert tested and off-road capable, but yet they're on the road all the time. Um, I was at a major Las Vegas resort where they had a whole cook line of combis and I asked the chef, are they, you guys love the combis, you guys using it for all kinds of food? They're like, nope, I would just use it to poach eggs. And that's <laughs> all. They It was probably like 100K worth of combis. They're just used for one purpose. So, Yeah, so that's an example of where maybe that wasn't the right investment. Uh, if that's all you're, if you have just dedicated, or maybe it is. Maybe they just really liked the end product of that poached egg. And they said, hey, price isn't, an, it's not really an option or a, a matter of concern for us. So, you know, who knows? Everyone's got yeah. a different rationale for, for purchasing a, 
one thing over another. But, you know, Dennis, you, you said a Range Rover in Beverly Hills, but I thought we were talking about it being equivalent to a station wagon earlier. So you're really shifting gears on me here. Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, you should use Kambiev as like a station wagon in Eastern Europe instead of a Range Rover in Beverly Hills. Oh, I see. So, there it all comes. It all that, that's the whole takeaway. We, we should just stop now, right? Okay. Well, why don't we move on to one of the other benefits? And I know on our last podcast, we, we talked a lot about um, uh, filtration systems, um, but let's jump maybe into to the cleaning functionality of combi ovens. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, in my opinion, yeah, going back to the whole concept of, um, I think a lot of the combi ovens get used uh, with very little moisture injection. And there's a lot of design that goes around making the whole oven watertight and be able to withstand high temperature steam conditions. So if an oven can cook with steam and be fine, why can't it um, be used to steam clean itself? So I think one of the biggest selling points of combi ovens is um, the automatic cleaning cycle at the end of the day. And I think it's very convenient. Um, everybody hates cleaning ovens. I'm not sure if I've ever cleaned mine at my house. <laughs> when, when was the last time you, you cleaned your oven, Adam? Oh, I think we do it a few times a year. A deep clean, you have to. I mean, you know, you get all kinds of stuff going on in there. and yeah. um, But it's it's a totally different game when you're you know, on a Sunday afternoon and you're uh, at your home cleaning an oven versus at the end of an eight or 10 hour shift. Yeah. And now you're like, oh, great. Now I got to clean this thing out. Um, plus the, th there's always the benefit of the, the, the labor savings. Um, you know, you just, you, you put in your tablet or whatever the detergent might be and you set it to a, a, pr a programmed cleaning cycle, dedicated cycle, and you hit a button and you walk away. Yes, it's going to use a lot more water than it will in a steam mode. Um, but to be fair, if you're doing a manual wash, you're probably using even more water. Um, but this just eliminates that whole labor aspect of it, which I think is a big um, money saver for, for operators. So mm -hmm. there's that advantage to it as well. Yeah. So you don't have the, the, the frustration of the, of the staff or the chef or the cook the line cook who who's uh, assigned that uh, unfriendly task. Um, now they all they have to do is hit a button and and hit the road and then they're out of there. So I think um, I think that that's a really big advantage to the self cleaning systems and in uh, combis. Yeah, if if you're buying a combi oven, you have to connect it to the water supply. You have to connect it to the drain. So you're pretty much have the two washing connections to it. And um, Adam, you mentioned um, some manufacturers use a tablet um, as the cleaning detergent. Some manufacturers use a couple of gallon bucket with a pump that pumps detergent in and out. And cleaning cycles can 
last from 20 minutes to three hours, uh, depending on the program selection. And cleaning is usually done at slightly elevated temperatures, maybe um, as high as 200, but nothing uh, superheated. Um, and everything at the end just um, goes down the drain and it's set it or forget it. You reduce flavor transfer. Let's say like one, one day you're cooking a bunch of fish um, and then the next day you're doing veggies. You definitely want to run that cleaning cycle in between. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One thing I do want to say is that if you're using your combi oven as a smoker, um, you may want to do a pretty thorough cleaning cycle in between that um, and, and the next product if you, if you don't want to have too much smoke. And uh, one thing I've heard from, um, from the field was um, people... Sometimes the dishwasher goes out. So I've seen people use the combi oven as a dishwasher. <laughs> do not do that. Do yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> do not use your combi oven as a dishwasher. That's, uh, they are versatile, but not that versatile. It's <laughs> a big no, no. And, and even, um, yeah, almost all combi ovens have the, the, um, the cleaning cycle to clean oven itself not dishes uh, but they also have a hose attached to for uh for manual spray downs too yeah and, and that's a that's a good um point that you mentioned on the um on the the variety of different options as far as the cycle times from you know i think you said 20 minutes to three hours um i think that's important that i and i'm glad that that manufacturers offer that that capability of of selecting different cleaning cycles for different lengths of time because there's no point in running a three-hour uh, cleaning cycle using all that water and detergent um, for something for an oven that you all you cooked in that day were baked potatoes or mm -hmm. something that really or, didn't or bricks maybe or or bricks we'll get into that <laughs> I don't think too many are cooking bricks unless uh, well we know a few that they cook bricks, but we'll get into that a little later. But compared to like, you know, roasting a protein where there may be some, you know, it's just a messier cooking cycle. Um, you know, that, that's, that's why it's nice to have that, that, uh, variable, uh, cleaning cycle, those options. Um, Dennis, one more technology that I think we should hit on and, um, before we get into maybe maintenance and energy efficiency, but, um, I really like the, the whole concept of, um, ventless equipment in general. Um, I think a lot of different types of equipment <clears throat> do have that, or manufacturers offer that for, for various types of equipment, um, including combination ovens. And I think, uh, you know, it's worth noting that if you have a dedicated combination oven and you don't have any other dedicated uh, cooking equipment on your line, this is where that is an example of a really good application. It costs a little bit more, but essentially you have that catalytic converter up there and you don't have to have a dedicated exhaust hood um, if you don't have other cooking equipment around. And in combination ovens, they have that option. A lot of manufacturers offer that as an option. Um, do you want to talk a little yeah, bit about um, that? I think most combi ovens are required to be installed under type one hoods. 
gas combi up ends, all of them are still required to be installed or type one hoods. There are electric ovens that could be purchased with a self-contained hood. Um, and that combi oven hood combination gets tested under KNLZ ventless testing and EPA5 test testing, which is a pretty rigorous, um, I think, eight-hour test where you cook um, different greasiness of products and pass a particular matter um, filtration test. So I would say ventless combis would, would apply to the smaller electric ones. And those um, don't have to be hooked up to an external hood. And I think if you're in a situation where you're trying to add an appliance to the line and you're really tight on hood space, um, it could be a good solution. But word of caution with um, all ventless equipment, which we're going to have a separate episode on, all the heat that's generated from the appliance itself gets into the, the space itself. So your HVAC system um, should be able to deal with that. Because if it doesn't, the space gets pretty hot. But the whole point of, um, yeah, uh, ventless combi is... Um, being able to suck in a lot of the cooking influent uh, without an external hood. And the catalysts, uh, as Adam mentioned, are operating at high temperature, which um, breaks down some of the smoke particulate. So it's it's not a solution for for all applications. That's what I'm. Hearing. It's a retrofit solution, not necessarily um, a ground up design solution, unless that's the only appliance that you have that needs a hood. Mm -hmm. There are a few different markets for combi ovens, and we have seen the institutional market segments like hotels and larger facilities, even different schools that purchase combi ovens and large volumes. And where Ventless really comes in is um, quick service restaurants used to have little half-size ovens for cooking um, biscuits or bacon. And a lot of them or thinking of switching to mini combi ovens. And quick service restaurants are really built out where there's dedicated hoods for de dedicated appliances. So a ventless combi could be a great addition um, to cook those kind of items um, in small volume while being able to run a cleaning cycle. Mm-hmm. Not to say that that's the exclusive application, but that's an example of where we can yeah. find them or where that might work. Yeah. Or, or let's say uh, a bar that um, doesn't have a dedicated hood and is doing uh, small items to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of like, um, you know, you go to like a, I don't know, what's that major quick service uh sandwich shop that we all know of 
and they may have a rapid cook oven in there for for toasted um sandwiches and other yeah. products and, and you that, can have it your way <laughs> exactly yeah that place <laughs> so, so one um episode where we are gonna have coming up and i'm really excited about is rapid cook ovens so there we're gonna talk about rapid cook ovens versus mini combis and yeah other um portable equipment so you took the words out of my mouth dennis that's that's what i was getting to but yeah that's that's right yeah so it's gonna be that'll that'll be a good one <clears throat> um why don't we uh i know we've we've talked for quite a bit here why don't we jump into i mean we we kind of hinted on this earlier but perhaps we could go into revisit the maintenance aspect of things real quick um you had mentioned water quality earlier, mm -hmm. uh, the hardness of the water and how that can have a negative impact on the equipment itself, whether from the inside out or outside in. Yeah, um, um, I would I say that's anybody an looking to purchase a combi, whether it's boiler-based or boilerless, should do a water quality test where they take a sample out of the water and send it to a lab and it will give you all the total dissolvable solids, um, your pH, your corrosives, your chlorine chlorides. And based on that, um, you can figure out whether you do need filtration, which in most cases you will, and what kind of filtration you should get, whether it's particular filters or if you need an RO system, which is um, a little bit of a larger investment, but if you're buying a $20,000 combi, um, investing a couple of grand in an RO system is totally worth it. Right. One thing to note is that combi ovens usually have two water connections, one for filtered water and one for unfiltered. And for most of the purposes, um, combi oven will use filtered water into the cavity but it may use unfiltered water for, let's say, um, drain water cooling or other purposes. So you want to connect an unfiltered water supply also. Yeah. And that, that drain water cooling, that's the, the condensate cooling that you're talking about because there are certain areas um, throughout the country and perhaps elsewhere where there is a maximum limit on what can be disposed directly down to the drain in a facility. Uh, I believe it's typically 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so if you're if you're dropping 180 degree water uh, down your drain, you need to temper that with introducing um, the cold water. But since that's going straight down the drain, hence the the need to or the you know you, there is no need to really filter it because it's going from direct from source to to sewer. Um, but I think that's probably the largest yeah. application. That's something we see a lot with, obviously, dish machines and other uh, cooking equipment as well that, that consume high temperature water and drop it down the drain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, the recent combi ovens have made great progress on water efficiency where 10 years ago, I used to see a lot of combi ovens use much more water to cool the drain water than to cook the product. So that's one thing to think of when upgrading to to a new combi. You could be saving a lot more, more water. Yeah, 
and not to jump the gun and jump into um, energy efficiency or energy star or anything, but that is something that's uh, very relevant right now. And in fact, the version 3.0 draft specification that was recently published, um, they introduced the EPA introduced a uh, water metrics for uh, for water consumption for um, into the uh, specification. Mm-hmm. But looking at back at the data, I agree with Dennis. You've seen you've seen a huge huge improvement on the overall water consumption for combi ovens. So I agree with you on there, Dennis. Yeah, I think um, we've been looking at the combi market recently, and it's gotten very very competitive in terms of energy. There are a lot of manufacturers that are neck and neck in terms of efficiency. So there's ways of differentiating different combis, either using water consumption or I think, as I said before, sometimes it comes down to controls preference and how intuitive your controls are um, and how, how much they appeal to the chef in terms of ease of use and flexibility and customizability. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to dig too deep into the new Energy Star spec. Um, check it out. It's online. Um, there's some, some new, uh, new limits um, that are proposed. So that's, that could be a, another discussion. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you can find that at energystar.gov slash CFS and then uh, just go to the ovens product development page. And then under the in development tab, you can find all of the uh, correspondence that EPA has published, including manufacturer, stakeholder feedback and comments that have been uh, uh, consolidated into a comment matrix. Um, and then also throughout the draft specification, you can find note boxes that address uh, many of the comments that were submitted in response to draft one. So, um, Dennis, I think we hit on a lot of, gosh, we've been all over the place. I, know, I think uh, we, uh, <laughs> in the call earlier, we tried to keep this episode to half an hour. We're a little <laughs> bit double that. And I know there's a ton of things that we've missed, uh, and I'm sure we're going to get some great comments from you. And as I mentioned, we're going to try to revisit these episodes with industry professionals, maybe a chef in the future, um, to talk about great combi food. And this conversation is making me hungry. <laughs> well, stay hungry because we have a, a- you know, a, a lot more to cover in future in future uh, discussions, podcasts, whatever you want to call them. Um, but keep that appetite up. And yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for, for joining us. Thanks for listening. And if anyone has any questions, you guys know how to reach us. Yeah. And keep driving station wagons. <laughs> All the All way right. home. Thanks, everybody. There you go. Goodbye. All right. Thanks, Dennis. Bye. See you, bud.